0: Uh, welcome to the show. I'm Hunter, you're here. Uh, it's Project A Plus.
1: Uh, and today, the uh, musician or musicians that we'll be looking at is ostensibly the band Talking Heads. But I would say probably more specifically David Byrne. Because um, one of the films is definitely mainly his project. And uh, so is the other. Of the
0: three. Yep. So, one might say two of the films are mainly his project.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good word. Which films would those
0: be? Which ones would those be, Gil? Uh,
1: So, the films we'll be looking at today are as follows Uh, Stop Making Sense from 1984, True Stories uh, from uh, 1986.
0: We're going to jump forward uh, a
1: couple of decades. More than a couple of decades to uh, 2020. Mm. With uh, American Utopia. So we're going to be looking at a Demi, a Lee, and a Burn.
0: Right, but first, we have to do a special segment of the show. It's said to do two segments
1: of the show, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I guess we do the old segment first, right?
1: Mm hmm. Tell them about that fault going in the vault? Oh, what's coming out?
0: So, the two we have right now are Armor of Gods and Air Diaries. <laughs> Both classic segments. And the um, old segment we're reviving this week is going to be number two, which is Air Diaries. Tell me about the you are. So, what was the air like in your diary, Hugh?
1: Um, well, just going by appearances, it actually looks pretty nice out there. The sun's out, but it is winter, so I- I'm going to give you an exact temperature from the Bureau of Meteorology, and that temperature is uh, 15 degrees centigrade is the maximum today, partly cloudy. Medium chance of showers in the eastern suburbs, mm. of which I'm a resident. How about
0: you? Well, today it was quite overcast me, now it's nighttime in terms of the exact um, temperature it rained all day. Uh, right now it is uh, 69 degrees Fahrenheit. And um it's about
1: it. Speaking of overcast, that's how I feel recording this episode. <laughs>
0: so uh, last week you put the gun to your head, and what came out? It was Miracles by acclaimed uh, filmmaker Jackie Jam. <laughs> that it was. So, Hugh, what was watching Miracles like? Was it a miracle?
1: Uh, well, I'll, I'll confess that uh, although I bought the DVD, or the Blu-ray, rather, uh, specifically for this segment, I watched the film before I actually shot myself in the head with the blank chamber that contained it <laughs>
0: wow what a bunch of bullshit
1: <laughs> so i watched it a second time as a result of that i didn't violate the pact like it doesn't there's nothing that's, that prevents me from doing that
0: yeah there, yeah there is
1: um it just means the ensuing discussion is is colored by the fact that this is a second viewing anyway so this is the film that that jackie chan had really been building towards as a director and you this can this really, he really blew his world but you can you can trace the development from like the first entry of Police Story and Project A to their more sophisticated sequels. You can kind of see the direction he was going. Mm. And this is kind of the culmination of of, of that. Um, and I, I really well, I love think the, the real way that culmination
0: it, is uh Operation Condor. but
1: I love I, I really love the way that it attempts to refocus his allure from bravura stunts to bravura direction mm. and uh, he makes like the very conscious decision to include all these shots of himself in the act of directing and even personally operating the steady cam in the gag reel at the end of the film which i thought was very funny mm. um it's kind of my dream film in that it in- incorporates like vintage hong kong action sequences <laughs> and elaborate musical numbers into this fun silly farcical storyline it may not quite pip project a plus project a part two as my favorite of uh chan's films at least not yet Mm. Mm -hmm. but it is undoubtedly his most accomplished and beautiful production
0: Mm. i guess i'll have to watch it
1: it is indeed a shame that he was not able to continue in this direction uh, if the supplementary material is anything to go by, I'm not sure I trust the weirdo who does <laughs>
0: yeah some sort of dissertation
1: about it on the on the Blu-ray. But mm. he says that essentially he made a deal with um, Golden Harvest after this film to stick to acting because well, was, that's
0: that's not that can't be true because he directed Operation Condor afterwards.
1: No, no, like I think it was after Operation Condor. Sorry.
0: Yeah, because Operation Condor is like a huge disaster. So
1: he'd spent all this money on this film and Operation Condor. And it was taking a lot of time. Like it would take a lot more time to produce these films than your typical film that Golden Harvest was churning out. Mm. And uh, they sat him down and said, uh, Hey, man.
0: You can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: And the next film, he didn't direct another film, really. I mean, he, he pretty much directed Dragon Master 2. And it was released under uh, Lau, Lau Kar Wong's name.
1: Yeah, and he was certainly creatively involved in. The films he appeared in um certainly staging the the stunt sequences in in most cases but yeah he wasn't able to to really uh continue on as a as a full-fledged director for quite a while Mm. and uh, as the guy (laughs) the guy on the (laughs) doc the guy in the documentary makes a reference to chinese zodiac disparagingly which which i was a bit offended by
0: great great film (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like when he came back, it was clear that, you know, it was all, all the talent was gone. <laughs> it was a complete disaster. Which I thought that was funny. But well, he directed a couple offended.
0: films in between, though. I think that's a bit of a reduction of the timeline a bit. Because he directed Who Am I? Anyway, uh, that's very, very interesting to you. Should I put the gun to my head now? You should. All right. So, got three chambers left. One of them, chamber two, is Snake and Eagle Shadow. Yep. Yeah. Number four is Mr. Nice Guy. Number five is Foudie Republic, okay? Alright. I'm putting the gun in my mouth. <laughs> Alright, are you ready? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I really still want to watch Lucky Republic. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, have mercy on my soul. <laughs> okay. Alright, I'm generating the number. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no
0: No 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 <laughs> uh, Why <laughs> There is no God <laughs> Okay well <laughs> Uh
1: you. (laughs) It's a miracle that I got miracles and you got founding of a republic times three.
0: Okay, great. Let's fucking talk about the talking heads or whatever.
1: (laughs) Can I just uh, say that it's just talking heads. There's no, there's no article. Yeah, whatever. And it annoys me whenever someone says the talking (laughs) heads, which... Almost everyone does.
0: <laughs> I've already done several times this episode a lot, I think.
1: Well I think it's a better band name without the article, which is why I kind of care. Cause I think it's a really great band name, and I don't think the Talking Heads is a particularly good band name. It's an okay band name, but not as good.
0: Well so it's a little harder to refer to them if you don't use an article.
1: No, it's not. Yeah it is. Hey, have you heard Talking Heads?
0: Um, yeah, I've heard heads talk before, I don't know why you're, why you say it like that. <laughs>
1: oh, you got me. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's, uh, let's get into it, so, what are we doing, what, are, what did we watch, watch Stop Me Heat Sense?
1: Wait, wait. Sorry, I shouldn't be eating, but I'm eating peanuts because I was hungry.
2: <laughs> it's
1: um, a great episode. How are you? Uh, we have to cover that, right? No, we don't.
0: I'm tired. But how are you? I'm tired. I'm ready to get off this show. <laughs> how are you, heal?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> great. All right, you ready? Yep. Project time. It's project time. Project time. It's project time. Project time. It's project time. It's project time, it's project time
2: Music and movies, baby Music and movies, baby Music and movies, baby oh.
1: Hey! Are you having as much fun as I am? I'm having a great time.
2: Hey, hey, having a great time on stage.
1: Uh, What's stopped Making Sense? It's a movie. Who directed it? Jonathan Demme. So it's like a, a fictional movie?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, so it never got made. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All right. So Jonathan Demi directed it, but what is it? Like what, what happens when you, when you put in the Blu-ray, I I didn't put it in a Blu-ray or queue up the streaming service. Well, I also didn't do that. Or put in the DVD. Nope. Slide in the VHS.
0: Nope.
1: Put the needle down on the laser disc.
0: There we go. All right. So it's a record of a musical performance. The talking heads gave at some theater in LA,
1: just a musical performance
0: i mean yeah i don't know (laughs) the one that was staged specifically for the cameras to capture just the one time i mean no it was a couple of different performances
1: (laughs) that's that's right that's right
0: but it's basically a concert film about them doing these
1: performances
0: because it's not really accurate though because they're kind of done specifically for the camera so i don't know
1: it's a concert movie
0: did they tour with this specific this like
1: same lighting in concert So, Jonathan Demi went to see the tour that they were on Mm. prior to this film, which was on the back of the the previous record, which would have been speaking in tongues. Mm. Pretty good album. They expanded their lineup, so they had a bunch of extra musicians on stage, Uh and it was quite an elaborate uh, performance,
2: Mm.
1: and Jonathan Demi went to see them and said, we should film this. And they did that. So I don't know, like, how different the the stage production was from what they were actually touring to this. But certainly this was, like, performed with a view to it being filmed. So mm-hmm. it was somewhat different, surely. Yeah, yeah probably. And Hugh, what do you think
0: about uh, Stop Making Sense?
1: <laughs> what did I think of it? Yeah. Presumably you've
0: seen this film before.
1: Yeah, I've seen this one before a long time ago. I've never Um, seen it. Oh, is this the first time you've seen it? Yep. Oh, wow. Um, Well, what can can one say? Well, one can say this. It's uh, well staged, uh, well shot, well performed. Well musicked. Has a handful of standout moments, I think. And it definitely lives up to its reputation as being a, a way better than average concert film. Yeah. But it is still a concert film. Yep. And as such, uh, your reaction will be dependent ultimately on your appreciation of the featured act, in this case, Talking Heads. Mm. It's nice that it's clearly a a considered concert film Mm. and that it's been produced and performed, as I said, with with an eye for the lens. But personally, I still prefer both Russ Never Sleeps and "Side of the Times, which we've Mm. discussed on previous episodes of this podcast. Mm. What about you? Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know. I agree that I I have to watch both of them. I would say this is about the same level as uh, Rust Ever Sleeves for me. Hmm. There's some good performances. There's some ones that I was like, kind of, you know, tapped my toes. I did find it kind of hard to pay attention at the beginning of the film. Why is that? <laughs> well, like the la- the first like couple of numbers is like, okay, you know, this, you know, buddy, something, and then like in the midpoint before they like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like after uh, thank you for sending me an angel, I was kind of just like bored and found it hard to pay attention to. And then you know, uh, I think burning down the house kind of re- uh, interests me, you know. But I I don't think this escapes the uh, concert film, uh, the problems that all all concert films have, which uh, you know, it's just a little little boring. I do think this is a pretty, it does a pretty good job of involving you and the energy of the performance better than a lot of other ones that I've seen, you know. Yeah, certainly. Um, but I don't think it escapes the that... Uh,
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. It doesn't escape the fatigue that accompanies basically every concert film, no matter how good it is, really.
0: Yeah. I guess it should do, as we've discussed every other time we've talked about a concert film on the show, uh, what, what, were some, uh, what, what, what songs sort of stand out for you as good performances?
1: I like the rendition of Psycho Killer on this mm. because I'm sick of the actual song. Hmm. So the fact that it's uh, you know a, a different interpretation with like just a drum beat and mm. David Byrne on guitar makes you view the song in a different way. It gives it it gives it a kick that uh, had diminished right. from overexposure. Because I was like obsessed with that song as like a teenager, so um, I'm partly to blame for the exposure Ruination that, uh, of it by yeah. yourself. Yeah.
0: Okay. What about some What about some others?
1: I think, "Burning Down the House" is better than the studio version.
0: Yeah, I really like the performance of "Burning Down the House" too. I think the energy of the, the the performers is like perfect for the version that they're putting forward. You know.
1: Yeah, because like I knew "Burning Down the House," like as a hit to some degree, mm-hmm. um, before I properly listened to um, "Speaking in Tongues," and then when I finally like was listening to it when I was really into Talking Heads. Uh, it sounded really kind of anemic and limp oh, that's on funny. the record. In maybe like an artful way, like it sounded really minimalist mm. in a way that didn't gel with my idea of the song, like as mm. an earworm in my head from knowing mm. the, the hook. That's funny. And this version makes more sense to me and, and like it, it, it's more towards my idea of the song as opposed to the reality of the song on the studio record. All okay. right. So I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, nothing else like really stood out like that much compared to the studio versions that I normally prefer I really liked uh,
0: I mean this isn't a song I'm familiar with at all but I really like the performance of what a day that was
1: that's from like the Catherine Wheel or something is it I don't know let me just check I think that's a solo song maybe yeah it's from the Catherine Wheel oh So, yeah, that's not a song I know from its original incarnation.
0: I, I thought the performance was really good. I thought the staging of it was great. Um, and I like why I like the performance of Wife During Wartime, too. Um, those, are, those are the ones that are really out to Me and Burning Down the House as well. And obviously, you know, there's all the moments that people talk about, like the big suit. Yeah. But that, I think like that's enlivened more by Demi's direction than the... I mean, I guess, like, you know, the stagecraft, too, but uh, just the way he chooses to, like, frame it, like, having this, like, you know, the shadows before he, like, pans to or tilts to, to hmm. Bird wearing the suit I think is really effective. Uh, but I don't really like that song that much, so.
1: Um, this must be The Place was good. Yeah. It's pretty close to the studio version. Yeah, it does it's, like well it's, 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 it's a good song.
0: It's hard to fuck that one up that much, you know.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah.
0: <laughs> but maybe we'll talk about him fucking it up later. <laughs> We'll see about that. <laughs> well okay, what about what about the converse? What were are some ones that didn't quite work for you?
1: <laughs> uh, I thought Heaven was kinda of dinky. Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree with you. I think that's the wrong like having just uh him and him and Cena doing it just felt like the wrong approach to that song, you know?
1: Because like it's such a goofy bass line, but it like mm-hmm. works in the context of the original Uh, recording yeah and there's like there's
0: like a weird like desperation to the original like studio version you know
1: yeah that's
0: like that's like pretty absent from this one it just feels like kind of like okay they're performing it you know i don't know yeah (laughs) and i think i think putting heaven so soon is also just a strange like sequencing choice you know what about us did you you enjoy the uh, tom tom club song
1: (laughs) i mean like um it's got like chris Franz like talking over the whole thing yeah (laughs) Is that that part of the original was done? No, it's not (laughs) (laughs) That's really strange. I mean, maybe his voice is in there somewhere, but he doesn't like it's not mixed
0: as high, maybe Yeah, I thought that was odd (laughs) I I didn't like hate it, but I was like, uh, you know, I don't don't know this performance isn't that great (laughs) No I don't know. What else? It's kind of, you know, there's not all to talk about with this. (laughs) No, that's it. That's enough. Moving on. Let's let's do uh, Type R and Drunkhead Mastermind. Drunkhead
2: Mastermind.
0: what is the name of the theater that provided the shooting location for the film?
1: Oh, God, that's such an obvious question that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> uh, it's an Athenaeum.
0: No, it's called the Pintages. Uh,
1: okay, no, I wouldn't have got that. From which song does the title Stop Making Sense originate?
0: Uh, Girlfriend is better.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's not a hard question. <laughs> no, it's a lowball for you.
0: <laughs> wow, well, I, I appreciate it. Can you name any of the three songs that were included as part of a special edition home video version that was released on VHS and Laserdisc, but were not part of the original film or as part of the DVD slash Blu-ray version?
1: Um, I think I can. Okay. Born Under Punches, The Heat Goes On. Nope. (laughs) Wow. I'm
0: surprised he got that wrong. Uh, the three. I actually are, don't know. The three are Cities, I Zimbra, and Big Business. All are included. In uh, the, I saw uh,
1: I Zimbra. I was looking at that track list as well, but I, I thought um, Born Under Punch was on it. That wasn't in the actual film, right?
0: No, no. I don't know why. It's a, it's a, I feel like that would have fit somewhere.
1: Yeah. I feel like they probably
0: could have used that instead of uh, Cross-Eyed and Painless as the, as the last song. But
1: yeah,
0: I mean, it's a. I like that song more than I like Cross-Eyed and Painless, but I mean they're both good songs. Anyway, wow, that's that's an 0 for o for two so far, dude. You're slipping. Uh,
1: while preparing for the movie, Jonathan mm-hmm. Demme was dealing with the difficult production of another 1984 movie. Mm-hmm. Can you give me the name of that movie? Uh, was it Swing Shift? Oh, it was. Ah, oh, sick. <laughs>
0: my my divvy knowledge is too great for you. <laughs> I just know that that movie had, like, a really famously troubled production. Okay, here's, here's kind of a lowball for you. you ready?
2: hmm
0: What percent rating does this film have on
1: Rotten Tomatoes? That's not easy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, like, a percentage could be anything.
0: <laughs> That's not true. Unless
1: it's 100%. <laughs> well, is that your guess? Is it 100%? It
0: is indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told you it was easy. Stop Making Sense features the Tom Tom Club's smash hit, Genius of Love. Can you name the Tom Tom Club album that this track originally appeared on?
0: Uh, is it just called the Tom Tom
1: Club? Nope, it's called Tom Tom Club. There's no article. <laughs> oh, fuck off.
0: No, you had to give that to me.
1: I will, I will, fine. <laughs> <laughs> But they're also okay, credited okay. as just Tom Tom Club with no article, so well. My question was gave the article. Anyway.
0: <sighs>
1: Moving on. Pizza right. story. No no, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I
0: know. Oh now we're talking about uh, true stories. I'm gonna make a
2: movie. About some shit I read. There'll be images of buildings, and other things as well. Louise on the phone, with a lady in bed. That's right.
0: But what is True Stories? Well, that's an interesting question you ask you. Well, the answer is this. True Stories is a 1986 film directed by David Byrne. It's a fictional tale, a sort of series of vignettes set in a fictional town of Virgil, Texas, just Texas, celebrating Texas's sesquicentennial. The film is kind of uh, composed of a variety of strands. Uh, there is a bunch of uh, stories sort of derived from uh, tabloid newspapers, um, there is some stuff about microchips. So long, where they go to the ball and uh, John Goodwin plays a character named uh, Lewis Fine, who is looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, there's a bunch of random uh, musical performances. Oh, yes. And we have David Byrne playing himself, who's just driving through the town or city to see in the sights and uh, narrating the whole experience to it, towards us. And the whole thing ca- uh, culminates in a talent show, uh, which ends the film. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, You want to add anything, Hugh?
1: No, that's right. Okay.
0: Well, Hugh, I think my uh, feelings about this film are already known. Uh, If you want to dig through our (laughs) unlistenable archive. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what did you think
1: about it? (laughs) I think some of my feelings towards this film are also on the record. Well, In we don't, have to, we don't
0: have to talk too much about that. Uh,
1: but anyway, I, I, this is the most uh, formally accomplished of the musician-directed films we have sampled so far. Whoa whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa.
1: <laughs> uh, what about Hubert Highway, then? I'm not saying that necessary as a, as a qualitative judgment.
0: <laughs> what do you say to that? It's, it's got to be a qualitative judgment. It's not like quantitative.
1: No, as in, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, in terms of how I, how I respond to the film. Sure,
0: sure, 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 sure.
1: The reason I say it's the most formally accomplished is that it's on criterion, and, like, something like Human Highway or Under the Cherry Moon is, is not, right?
0: Well, they both have, uh, you know, beautiful Blu ray films, uh, releases, so.
1: But it's, they're not on criterion, and there's a reason for that.
0: Yeah, and uh, that reason is because David Bird hired uh, Ed Wackman to shoot the cinematography, which makes it look really good.
1: Yeah, but you're you're forgetting who did the cinematography for Under the Cherry Moon.
0: Oh, yeah, well, well, that's why that film looks
1: beautiful. (laughs) It's a pretty formally accomplished
0: film, too, honestly. (laughs) Um, This is more formally daring, I will say. It makes more use of film form.
1: Yeah, I would say the vision of this film doesn't feel compromised by its director's inexperience. It feels like a complete object, for better or worse, take it or leave it.
0: As opposed to a human highway or either the cherry food, which don't feel like
1: complete objects to you. No, but I feel like the... the they're <laughs> Bird
0: not... is definitely boring control than either Preds or... Yeah, like the...
1: The final products are kind of colored by...
0: There's no naivety no ne- ne- e- 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 as there are with those films, uh, I think.
1: Yeah, like this This feels fully realized. Yeah, this feels like it was conceived and
0: realized, yeah, according to that conception.
1: What I, what I think is most remarkable about this film is its tonal balance. Hmm. Because on paper, it really doesn't seem like an appealing prospect. Or rather, it's really easy for me to imagine like a disastrous version of this film, especially with this milieu. Definitely. But I think the final product, uh yeah, it's kinda, personally at least... It's kind of miraculous, miraculous in a way that it works so well. Yeah, because I, I think it manages to be humanistic without being sentimental, at least overly sentimental. It's not treacly, you know. And at times critical without being cynical,
0: judgmental.
1: Yeah, it never tips over into condescension, which is yeah. is what it threatens to do at, at times. Yeah,
0: and what, you know, you might think based on what this film is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um but no, it treats all of its characters as, you know, real people, and I think it really nails sort of uh this Particular American eccentricity that Byrne is attracted to, again, without like condescending towards it. Because, you know, <laughs> I feel like he feels that uh, a lot of kinship towards that,
1: that this feeling, the feelings that are in this movie, you know? Uh, good or ill. But I think there's also like a lingering ambiguity that stops it from becoming like a celebration of like small town values or something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because there's two segments that feel very. Uh, you know, the, the the two, the two, I mean, there's, there's a couple of them that feel very almost like dystopian in a way, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: But I think, it, I think it really accurately captures just the, this eighties milieu and like what America was like during that time, better than a lot of other films that I've seen, you know? And uh, in part just because it, it, it dares to, you know, leave the major metropoles and, and film out these like, you know, uh, Small towns and, and other locations in order to create this amalgamation, right? Mm. Um, and I think that's really daring, and I like that. You know, he ins- it, like, you know, he goes inside of like a mall as he goes inside of like microchip factories. Like, you know, these are not the typical locales for uh, uh, films at this time. You know,
1: and I, I also appreciate the fact that it would be really easy to make this racially monochromatic. Yeah, um, because often portraits of small towns like this are yeah and uh i do appreciate the fact that it, it presents the different segments of the community yeah me too despite the fact that it like plays up these larger than life kind of personalities and their es- eccentricities it doesn't, it doesn't
0: caricature them necessarily
1: no and there's still like the, a slight detachment that prevents the film from seeming like overly twee or precious yeah for sure which is again quite miraculous in terms of the tone it manages to to strike
0: yeah definitely because there is this sort of like critical or yeah this ambiguity that creeps in in some of the segments that sort of um yeah like grounded a bit more or cast a more like sort of doubtful lens on the the town as well you know
1: yeah um but i really like the the format of this film how it's kind of this hybrid of a weird educational film something that's how it starts and this anthology of, of disparate <laughs> stories, and then some uh, SNL
0: sketches.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Just but I like that
1: it allows for these like kind of beautiful moments, uh like as we linger on like a janitor mopping in a school car, yeah.
0: or, or a man dancing alone in his office. You know,
1: we follow these children as they break into song with like objects from the construction site yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and and then it all kind of builds to that great. John Goodman performance at the the talent show which is fantastic
0: and he's such a great actor in this because he's so compelling you know
1: I love all the scenes between David Byrne and John Goodman so yeah because they're so so funny (laughs) because they have such
0: an opposite effect you know because (laughs) Byrne's like obviously this like you know very detached like weirdo and and (laughs) Goodman's this like you know wholehearted guy like (laughs) I don't know especially the character that he's playing it's it's, Mm. it's yeah it's really funny um, and I love the production design of this film too. It all feels just like absolutely perfect, you know?
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, for if, if we're judging it on merits, this might be my favorite film that we've discussed as part of this project, you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the one that feels that you can approach it on a somewhat normal, non project A plus level and get a lot of <laughs> out of you know it. Mean? <laughs> Like unlike something like uh, Human Highway or Under the Cherry Moon, I, I could I could see myself recommending this to like people I don't really know that well, you know.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking that I was saying this is the this is I was thinking this is the easiest to like recommend to somebody yeah, is, who doesn't necessarily normie, share your taste. This is the
0: normie uh, ch-
1: ch- choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Galaxy Brain choice is Human Highway. <laughs> yeah, 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 obviously. <laughs> I will say it kind of continues something that that we were talking about in relation to Human Highway, mm. which is kind of the David Lynchian vibe.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely has sort of a some more yeah, just like feel for, I don't know, like it it nails both like the paranoia aspects of of you know, uh, eccentric Americanism, and yeah, it definitely kind of has a, a a Twin Peaks quality as well in a lot of a lot of uh, parts of it, you know. All right, are we, uh, are we uh, doing uh, Drunken Mastermind? Yep. Drunken
1: Mastermind. Okay. Uh, prior to portraying country music fan and uh, one-time country music performer Lewis Fine in True Stories, mm-hmm. John Goodman appeared in a biopic of which country music star who was also mentioned in passing in True Stories?
0: Uh Hank Williams. No, Patsy Klein. Yeah. I don't know anything about country music, so. <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> Ready for my question? Mm-hmm. Stephen Tobolowski co-wrote this film. Can you tell me which of patron saint of the podcast, John Carpenter's films, he appears in? Hmm. Which it's it's one film. I wrote these very weighted types, so my phraseology may be a little off.
1: I'm trying to picture Tobolowski in a Carpenter film. It must be a small role. Okay,
0: it's one that I talked about on the podcast.
1: Have I seen it? Uh, I don't think so. Memoirs of an Invisible Man?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have given you that
1: one. <laughs> Radiohead famously got their name from a track featured on the film's soundtrack. Hmm. Can you tell me Radiohead's original band name?
0: Oh, uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's it's see. a wonder it's, they changed They are named, named, name. named after. They're uh, named after Kids in the Hall's movie Brain Candy.
1: <laughs> I mean, nice try. Um, but uh, they, were <laughs> they were actually called... On a Friday, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which yeah, is probably bad, the bad, worst band name bad, I've bad, ever heard. Bad, 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 bad,
0: bad. Yeah, Imagine if people were like, oh my God, can you believe that there's a new On a Friday album?
1: And <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know why they were called On a Friday?
0: Yeah, uh, because they met On a Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah, they used to. <laughs> on a Friday.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> wow. All right. Are uh, you ready for your second question? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many malls was Virgil Texas's mall actually composed of? Three. Ooh, the correct answer is two one for the yes. exterior shots, one for the interiors.
1: And one of the inspirations for True Stories was the Robert Altman film Nashville. Mm-hmm. True Stories cinematographer Ed- Edward Lockman later mm-hmm. worked with Robert Altman on two of his later pictures. Oh, uh,
0: I, okay. I think I know one of them. Can you name either film? uh prairie home companion
1: yes yes got it. yes
0: i I looked this i was going to ask you about ed walkman but i couldn't think of any i couldn't find any good questions out of it so Uh, all right you ready for your last question yeah spawning gray appears in the film he has a bit of a burn connection beyond true stories in that one of his monologues was filmed by jonathan can you tell me which one that is which one of his
1: filmed monologues?
0: Yeah, or which what, whatever, which Jonathan Demi film is his filmed monologue, alternatively? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, the correct answer is "Swimming to Cambodia. Good. <laughs> which has music by Wari Anderson. Hmm. All right, now let's uh, move on to American Utopia.
1: I'm feeling unhappy. With the state of
2: affairs there's women and children who don't have TV. Vote now, there's no trouble. Vote now, get what you need. Vote now, it's no trouble. Vote now, get what you need.
1: Uh, Hunter, what's American Utopia?
0: It's funny you ask that. American Utopia is a 2019, 2018 album released by David Byrne.
1: 2018,
0: yeah. Well, I answered your question.
1: What's American Utopia the film? Oh,
0: well, it's funny you ask that. So uh, David Byrne created a Broadway stage show. Uh, used some of the music from this 2018 record uh, mixed with other hits from across the breadth of his career. Uh, And, um, you know, basically Spike Lee directed a film version of it. (laughs) Mm. There's lots of grey suits and musicians. uh, Wait, so it's like a concert film? Basically.
1: (laughs) And what's different about this concert film as opposed to pretty much every other concert film?
0: Well, it was directed by Spike Lee.
1: (laughs) What about the way the concert is performed distinguishes this concert film from other concert films. I don't know. <laughs> well, what's the gimmick of the performance?
0: <laughs> uh, that all the musicians are like wearing their instruments, is that it? Yes. Like, are part of the show?
1: They're not tethered to the spot oh like boy. a drummer would be, for example. They could, they could stuck uh, behind walk the around the with
0: a bunch of tweety t- 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 forons.
1: <laughs> they were all unmoored, which allowed them to uh, participate in the choreography. So there are no wires. Oh, I'm sure there's some wires. There are no wires attached, attached to, to the, the performers.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be wires at some point. Like, even if they're wearing a microphone that's wireless, it's still got wires in the, you know, like, makeup of it.
1: And there's wires in, in, inside the guitar. And the CV
0: technology as well. Yeah, yeah. So, And probably there's wires that are connecting the lights to the, you know, grid. So. I did
1: say from the performers. Oh well, there's no
0: wires there. There's no wires that are holding them, you know, back. I guess. There you go. Anyway, uh, what do you think about American Utopia? My thoughts on the film were famously uh, documented. I was on the bottom ten of my my uh, the films of last year.
1: Yeah, very very famously documented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, famously <laughs> when it went viral. Yeah, my my brutal takedown of American Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> first up, I need to disclose the fact that I approached this film with some baggage, right? Partly, so par- partially because I didn't like it. <laughs> David Byrne's transition from art school weirdo to cuddly elder statesman. To
0: eccentric uncle. <laughs>
1: has been a little dispiriting to observe, especially when you add his good vibes website reasons to be cheerful into the mix. Wait, wait uh, Could you, I'm just going to put the gun in my mouth right quick. <laughs> And to add to that, I have been unsuccessful in locating a single reason to care about David Byrne's musical output since like 1989. So, why should I care about a concert film absent Talking Heads, with whom he already made the definitive concert film? Um, See, five minutes ago when we discussed it.
0: What about Sign of the Times and uh, the other one? And
1: ones? how old is David Byrne now, anyway? I don't know, like 70 something. I oh, was only 69. And the concept—this this expensive Broadway show where the God. fucking drummer gets to dance around or, or and, some
0: oh, shit. oh wait Hugh, can I can I pitch something else to you? Mm. Okay, what if we took a lot of like great sort of experimental, you know, art rock songs? Okay, and we sort of uh, let's say just Broadwayify it by by twenty five percent. How does that sound?
1: That sounds great. <laughs> so does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's this it's this it, this Broadway conceit mm. where all the musicians get to dance. They're not plugged into anything. You had to do choreography, and then to add to that, because I'm watching this way after the fact, I have to deal with uh, all the reviews. My God, the reviews, the word, the word of mouth, the buzz. All this only intensified my skepticism. I had all this baggage when I sat down to watch this thing.
0: But you, but you loved it. Many <laughs> you months. Went up, you went up and registered after, to vote.
1: <laughs> many months after. The rest of the world had uh, lost their collective shit over it. And I did my best, dear listener, dear co-host, one and the same, to be fair to this film. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'm a future listener. <laughs> <laughs> to, to You're a present listener and a future <laughs> listener. To judge it for what it was. Mm. To set aside all this baggage that I'd taken with me and j- just take take it in, right? I think sometimes it's too easy to be cynical about stuff like this. And the film makes it easy for you. It takes more courage to be optimistic, especially nowadays. And, and a, big, a big theme, the big theme of the concert really, is connection. And why, why shouldn't I allow that connection? This, is, this has been a difficult time for all of us. I know I've joked about not having to go to work during COVID lockdowns and appreciating that, but the truth is, it was scary. I had lost my job completely, and, and that was genuinely unsettling, whatever I said at the time. And, and through it all, there was this prospect of losing people I cared about. And during, during times like that, times like these, th- that, that desire for connection really intensifies. Truth be told, I've struggled to connect with people all my life. and I didn't need a pandemic to to bring that into focus. I'm not someone who's easy to get to know, who's easy to connect with. I'm, I'm shy, I'm awkward, and my default mode in social situations is discomfort. In fact, like David Byrne himself, I have been unofficially diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. In my case by my mother, in David's case by himself, And, you know, maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is a reason why I've struggled to make connections throughout my life, why my family and friends get frustrated with me. Years ago, a high school friend of mine once confronted me while he was drunk. He was very emotional, and he looked at me directly in the eye, and he said to me, Hugh, you're you're a closed book. I don't know who you are. He wanted to connect with me, to understand me, but he couldn't. And faced with this difficulty that I have, you know, it's easier for me to put walls up, to pretend like I'm not affected, to be distant, to be cynical, to appear as if I'm not desperate for connection. It is a struggle, I imagine, that David Byrne himself has gone through. And somewhere along the line, he made the decision that he wanted to make a positive difference in the world. He was going to spread positivity, not negativity, not cynicism, not alienation, not disaffection. The original American Utopia record, released in 2018, as he said, was part of a multimedia endeavour that included the website Reasons to be Cheerful. And the easy stance to take for someone like me on this podcast is a negative one. Because then I don't have to be vulnerable. Because then I'm not revealing myself. To say I was unmoved by American Utopia risks nothing. Nothing. I don't have to fear being mocked by my co-host with whom I have already mocked David Byrne and his website on many prior occasions. I already know what my co-host thinks of American Utopia because he's already told me on a prior episode of this podcast. The easy thing to do would be just to assent, to toe the line, to contribute to the Project A Plus hot take on American Utopia. Everyone loved this Concert film, but not us. No, not us. We weren't duped. We were smarter than that. But this podcast is proof of a connection. A connection that we have made together. Two humans separated by an ocean in a handful of years. Two humans who met by chance when one of them happened to select a certain apartment on a certain accommodation app at a certain time of year. I don't say it enough or at all really, but I appreciate that connection. And I'm taking the opportunity now to thank you for your friendship. Somehow, despite my deficiencies, I was able to reach out and take your outstretched hand. And what David Byrne is doing with American Utopia is no different, he is reaching out, he is trying to connect with us. More than that, he is trying to connect us with others. This is a celebration of music, of performance, and of the connections we all share and it couldn't be more timely. Anyway, I hated it. What about you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> 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 Ellen Curris was the cinematographer for the film. Can you name the film she shot for one of the other directors of one of the other films we're discussing tonight?
1: I'm assuming it's a Spike Lee film.
0: I mean, one of the other ones besides American EW.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so Jonathan Demme, I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you an Okay,
0: yeah, the, I mean, I guess David Byrne but. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give you some hints. This is kind of a tough question, so I'm, I'm a nice guy. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's one of his documentaries, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if I give you uh, my third hit, it would give away the answer. Actually, it's a I Neil I
1: Young documentary. Maybe. Hopefully. Uh, is it Heart of Gold? It
0: is. It's not yes. a truck show. He <laughs> gave you too much on that one. I I hope you'll keep that in mind when I struggle to answer one of your questions.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Accepting any of the songs that appear in American Utopia, Mm -hmm. the film, can you name a single David Byrne song that was released after
0: 1989? What the fuck is that question? (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Well... I, I listened to some of that album we did with uh, St. Vincent when it came out. Mm-hmm. I can't... Is it like Love This Giant or something like that? That's the name of the record. There's one song on it that I listened to a bunch. Oh, my God. I can, like, I can, like pull up some of the, like, riff of it in my mind. I cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> um... Uh is maybe Elephant, is that right? I can't remember. No. <laughs> okay. What about uh, Saxon Violence? <laughs> Did that came out after
1: nineteen eighty nine? No, that's from Naked. Yeah. And that's not a solo song.
0: Oh no, it was recorded in nineteen ninety and released in nineteen ninety one, so <laughs> but it's not a solo song.
1: Uh, I don't know what song you were thinking of, like, I'm an Ape is on that record. No. I'll I'll look up
0: the album and see if I can find it. I was thinking of who? That's what I was thinking of. I don't know why Elephant came into my mind.
1: I'm assuming that he doesn't happen to have another song (laughs) called Elephant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to search real quick. Just see (laughs) would be
0: (laughs) get. If he did, if he just, like, randomly did. (laughs) All right, well, that's, that's uh, you know, I I tried and I failed. Good try. I should have just chosen one of his, like, dumb album names.
1: But that's the thing. He never puts um, a a title track on the record. Mm. I think yeah. he does that deliberately because I was trying to think of it before and I'm pretty sure there's no record that he's released that has just a title track that's the same as the record. I'm
0: going to quickly go through his uh, shitty... Um
1: Solo career certainly he was doing that in talking heads because like none of them have songs that are the album titles
0: yeah it doesn't seem like it all right uh, my my second question
1: mm-hmm
0: <coughs> this is Mike uh, 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 this is Spike Lee's third musician centered project can you tell me which musician he directed two separate documentaries for for. Well I guess about is the more appropriate
1: okay. technology there. Um Miles Davis, but I don't I don't think that's right. Nope. Nope.
0: Alright. Uh okay. Here is your first hint. Uh they're postmodern documentaries or post mortem documentaries. And the person who the documentaries are about has been thoroughly cancelled. <laughs> oh and I actually had a better hit. <laughs> Bill Cosby? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> this is someone who did a infamous guest appearance on one of our favorite television shows.
1: Chris Brown? <laughs> Chris Brown? <laughs> 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 what, what guest appearance did you make on one of our
0: favorite television shows? I
1: don't know. <laughs> so they've been thoroughly okay. cancelled. Yeah. And they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. And Dead and cancelled. Dead and cancelled after death.
0: Uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> and the favorite and the television show would be The Simpsons, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know he actually directed documentaries about Michael Jackson, yep, but I think I read that. Two
0: of them, bad, and yeah. some other one. Michael Jackson, dot dot dot, something. Okay. All right. What's your uh, second question?
1: Uh, how many songs in this film actually featured on the original American Utopia studio record from 2018? Oh I have no idea. I was gonna say six. Very close, it was five. Yeah.
0: That's like that's my other oh, that's what I was gonna say. God damn it. Alright, whatever. Alright. Well, <clears throat> <34. laughs> uh, this is not a this is a spiteful question, I have to say. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Can you tell me which letter grade the AV club gave America Utopia? <laughs>
1: <laughs> A. Nope. A minus. Nope. B plus. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, last question for you. Mm. For the American Utopia record, that is the studio record from 2018, David Byrne collaborated with 25 musicians across its 10 tracks. Mm-hmm. What did all those collaborators have in common, other than the fact that they all worked on this project? <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: so, uh, for the
1: American Utopia Studio record, he worked with 25 musicians. What did they all have in common? Uh, Jesus Christ, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is a fair question because it's actually famous or notorious. Oh,
0: uh, I, I didn't read about this. <laughs> It's notorious. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) They were all men. Yes. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So, um, I forgot who the journalist was who asked him about it. Mm. But they said, uh, hey, how come all the myriad collaborators on this record are all men?
0: Oh, it's about American utopia, I mean. And he's
1: and he was like, Oh, I don't know why they're man. I should examine myself. <laughs> That's funny. So then he got some women involved in the Broadway version.
0: <laughs> he he uh, whitewashed his crime. So
1: he was shamed into it. He wasn't gonna do it anyway. He
0: he wouldn't he wouldn't let he wouldn't let them collaborate with him, but he'll, be, he'll put him on his dumb shell. You know? Exactly. Just for optics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And everyone knows he he famously hates
1: my <laughs> Yeah. Bonus features, bonus, bonus features, bonus features, bonus, bonus features. Uh I watched The Fate of Lee Khan, uh, which is the film that King Who made directly after A Touch of Zen. Uh he he filmed it back-to-back back with the Valiant Ones on a much tighter budget than uh, A Touch of Zen, and it shows. So after the expansive narrative of uh, A Touch of Zen, he uh, once again returns to uh, his signature milieu of like mm. people in, uh, in one building the whole time. <laughs> um, so it's very similar to Dragon Gate Inn and um, Come Drunk With Me. Mm. which I like. I like that he goes back to that world. And it's a lot of fun. There's a great kind of hangout vibe. Mm. Enjoyable stuff. I watched uh, Saving Face, which is a romantic comedy from uh, 2004, directed by Alice Wu, mm. which I really enjoyed, actually. I think it's one of the better romantic comedies of that vintage.
0: Mm.
1: And one of the few... That is uh not straight or white. So there you go.
0: You're just performing yeah, you you were uh watch this so you could perform all wokeness, I think.
1: No, no, I watched this so I could furiously masturbate to it. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. I'm just saying you're doing it for the right reasons.
1: But anyway, I, it was like it's like Alice Wee's debut film, I believe. Mm. And uh I was like, Wow, that was that's a pretty strong debut.
0: When she did inject another one for <laughs> 2020,
1: <laughs> which I assume speaks to the industry. Cause like, that's just such a shame that, that, that promising debut just, uh, doesn't lead to a fulfilling career immediately afterwards. Mm. But I did check out her follow up from 2020, which is a mm. uh, Netflix, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Netflix funded, uh, romantic comedy
2: <laughs>
1: and it seems to be cashing in on the, um, to all the boys I loved before mm. buzz um, so it has a high school setting so it's a teenage uh, romantic comedy uh-huh. I, I don't particularly like a high school setting although I did enjoy as you know To All the Boys I Love Before but not the and, and this feels like a sort of grotesque almost uh, unintentional parody of, of that kind of mm-hmm. type of film yeah it starts off feeling like, like a, a derivative of that mm-hmm. right a more obvious unsubtle version
2: mm-hmm.
1: but again it it turns out to be something quite different. The funny thing about this, like a lot of these films, is um, not only the fact that the actors are, you know, played by much older actors than the characters they portray, but that they look so much older as well. (laughs) Like, you know, Mm -hmm. some people, like, obviously look young, and that's why they're often cast in, like, high school stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say that maybe applies to the protagonist to some degree. Um, but it's one of those people where you, you're not that surprised if you learn that she's 26, which I think she is, but she mm. still has like a youngest kind of face. Sure. Yeah. But the guy looks in his mid twenties and the girl that she has a crush on looks like 38 or something.
0: So yeah. I thought she did look pretty old on the post. It's kind though, of disconcerting.
1: That. I mean, she's not actually that old. So it's kind of offensive <laughs> for me to say that, but.
0: Um, you, you just, you just, yeah, you could just admit it that you hate Asian
1: Americans. She's not Asian American. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh. the 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 protagonist is Asian American. Mm. The woman she has a crush on is is not. Okay, well, um, you hate
0: white people. And she,
1: yeah, I hate white people. Thank you. And uh, yeah, but she looks really old. So it looks like kind of like a mother daughter dynamic. <laughs> That's so a weird. Funny.
0: Way. Wow, she does look pretty old. I'm looking at photos of her
1: right now. But anyway, and I think she's younger than the main character in real life.
0: Let's see, 25. The main character is 24, so no, you're wrong.
1: Okay. Oh, they're pretty close. Just, just by one year, yeah. Wow, all these people are in their 20s. This is weird. I don't like this. <laughs> and, like, I think it is a problem with a lot of these films. Um, I know yeah. of why they do it. Yes, yeah, so you, you, know, so you can show their, their bodies off. So. But <laughs> well, not just okay. for that reason, but there's like there's like <laughs> labour reasons, union reasons. Well, you can do um, like in terms ATD of like working set, hours, you can do in terms ATD of experience on set, all that sort of stuff. That's why they do it because it's easier.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think you do lose you lose quite a lot uh, when you don't use uh, actors yeah. who actually belong to that age bracket because we've seen like really good examples of it. And, like, a mm. teenager does bring something a uh, different kind of energy than someone who is in their mid-20s, no matter how mm. well-acted it is. I mean, it doesn't ruin the film or anything like that, but it is noteworthy. Um, and, uh, but I do appreciate the fact that this film ends up with uh, no one getting anyone. Like, it's not really a reciprocated relationship.
0: No one, no one gets any plus
1: <laughs> No. It's more about, like, self-affirmation. So everyone gets their own pussy. That's right. Interesting. So it starts off feeling like it's going to be really generic and then it ends quite differently than you expect, even if it is still pretty conventional. But, you know, it's decent. Um, Anyway, the next one I watched, you ready? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll say the title backwards. Tenet.
0: Hmm. I don't think I've heard of that one. Would it be a certain film that was on my top 10 films of last year?
1: (laughs) Do you want me to say the film forwards as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Okay, Uh, let's.
0: Okay, could you perform sort of a a, a time pincer move for me, please? Okay. Tenet. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Christopher Nolan's Tenet. That's right. Great film. A great film. It's like it's definitely the most project A+ film that no one has made you know
1: It is very very amusing that this exists <laughs> and I'm glad <laughs> yeah. it exists and I wouldn't want to yes. really change anything about it. <laughs> yeah um, but it is funny that um, uh, I was talking to my dad and uh, mm. he mentioned that he quite enjoyed interstellar and right. I said, oh you should watch this was before I'd seen Tenet and I said, you should watch mm. Tenet it's just come on netflix (laughs) Uh and he's like oh that got really bad reviews and i said well um yeah it did but like i think if you don't take it seriously it'll be enjoyable like you just go along for the ride and maybe laugh at the silliness a little bit as long as you don't take it seriously you might have a pretty good time (laughs) nope (laughs) Um, and then i watched it and i was like oh in order to appreciate this (laughs) film You need to be perverse like me and you, yeah, you not to like you father. You have to be you have to be hundred percent galaxy brain, you know. Like <laughs> Because this really does not work on a level that uh really any no, average no. audience member audience <laughs> member is gonna be able to appreciate. No, 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 And uh just the idea of a studio greenlighting this in this form yes. is insane. <laughs> and the amount of clout that you need to generate in order to have yeah. The ability to wield this kind of budget to this end is insane.
0: This absolutely bizarre film that doesn't really
1: work that... Like, it's both, like, incomprehensible and incredibly stupid.
0: (laughs) 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 And And that way it is an incredible film.
1: And it tries to explain things to you. There's a lot of exposition, but it only serves to make it feel more like an abstraction yeah somehow
0: in a sense it's a, a great film
1: but yeah good stuff
0: great movie okay I need to watch something else let's let's get through
1: right gotta go to bed <laughs> uh last thing I watched was um love and love basketball
2: love.
1: is that is that right Directed, uh, written and directed by Gina Prince uh, Bythwood
0: uh, oh It's
1: a pretty good song And this is a really strong romantic drama, I think That also makes you think Why didn't she go on to direct a whole bunch of things Immediately after this one? Well,
0: uh, there's this little thing called systemic racism here.
1: No!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I know But that's it, that's all I watched
0: Okay, I'll go through mine pretty quickly don't have too many uh, non rewatches this week. So, should blaze through them. All right, <clears throat> here we go. So, I watched. Uh... Oh, I actually watched a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, so I actually, uh, I did something kind of special. I mean, this is kind of a while ago. It's been a bit since we've recorded, but hmm. I actually went to the movies to see a film. I sat Whoa, in a theater. what? I uh, know. For the first time in a year and a half almost. Wow. What what film on June the seventh did I, I think was worthy of my money and my very low risk of exposure to the COVID virus? Hmm. I don't know. Well, let me tell you, it's a little film called Spiral from the Book of Saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the Chris Rock Saw film I decided to go see.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: i thought it was appropriate <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know why you're I don't know why you're laughing so much um and uh well did this film justify uh you know going to the theater here well i enjoyed myself you know I got some traps you know that's, that's all <laughs> <Francesco for. laughs> just traps um this film kind of has a weird like uh uh all cops are bastards kind of vibe, to a certain degree. But Ooh. it also is kind of like, oh, maybe maybe Jigsaw or his protege isn't such a bad guy. You know, he's killing all these cops. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> so it's got a twist that you see coming uh, immediately. Uh, but it, it's got a bunch of, like, stale uh, Chris Rock stand-up bits that were, are awkwardly <laughs> inserted into the bill, which I, which I thought was charming. <laughs> including one where he talks about the fact that uh, Forrest Gump probably has AIDS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you see, you know, people like Samuel Jackson and Chris Rock who do not seem like they belong in a Saw movie getting beat in saw in, in saw traps, which is great. And then you see a bunch of nobodies who get killed as you know, as, as just a uh, uh, wimp meat. Uh, This is kind of, it's pretty engaging. I don't know. I was never bored. So three stars. (laughs) Let's see. What else did I watch? I watched Godzilla 2000 Millennium, uh, which is a very boring Godzilla movie, (laughs) Um, but not without it's charm. Uh, I will sum it up uh, by following this. I'm just going to read my Letterboxd review real quick. In this, the 24th film of the Godzilla franchise, Godzilla faces his most deadly foe yet, a giant rock. And uh, yes, Godzilla spends a lot of this time, uh, a lot of the runtime of this film, fighting a big rock. Ooh. So, uh, kind of, you know, little attention uh, 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 deadening, but it's a Godzilla film, so you know, you get, you get, you enjoy it. I watched, I rewatched Othello. I watched a film, a, a Catherine Brolet film called Brief Crossing. Um, which is kind of like a rom-com if it wasn't funny and was kind of sad instead. I watched Return to Glynis Call, a story that is told in Dublin, which is a short film that Orson Welles made for his Othello co stars slash friends, uh, Hilton Edwards and Michael Macleamore. Um, Macleamore? Nope, Macleamore. <laughs> um, anyway, it's directed by Hilton Edwards. Uh, Hilton Edwards and, and Michael Macleamore were... Uh, co-runners of the Gate Theatre, which uh, was Orson Welles', like first acting job in Dublin. Um, oh, and they and used to the-
1: go to the thrift shop all the time, right? What?
0: Uh, is it a, a reference to something? Yeah, Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, basically this is a, a short film that Hilton Edwards made. I think it was nominated for an Academy Award that Orson Welles appears in and narrates. And it's just sort of like this hokey ghost story that's got a very nice vibe. And I really enjoyed it. I watched Mr. Arkadin*, which is Welles's, uh sort of... Best kind of film. Noir. Yeah, it's best film. <laughs> this famously compromised film that doesn't exist in a, uh, uh, you know, authoritative version. Um, and I watched the Corinth version, which is supposedly the closest one to Wells' intentions that was made during his life. And it's got an enjoyable atmosphere. Um, What else did I watch? Um, I also watched a film called St. Elmo's Fire, which I watched with one of my friends. Have you seen this movie? Uh,
1: I don't think I've seen it in full. I've only seen uh, bits of it on TV, I think.
0: Well, it's kind of this, like, demented post-collegiate movie that stars, you know, four uh, yuppie psychopaths.
1: The Brat Pack. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think it is a, a powerful film in that it uh, includes two incels, okay? One of whom remains an incel throughout the film, and one of whom uh, gets the object of his affection. Um, but I enjoy just seeing incels on film, so I got any other points for that. I rewatched uh, Mikey and Nikki, the Elaine May film. <laughs> uh, which is a, just a great, great film. Uh, you've seen that. I have. Uh, the only other film I watched is a film called um, <laughs> uh, The Scary of 61st. Do you know what this film is,
1: Hugh? I don't think so.
0: Okay, do you know what the uh, Red Scare podcast is? No. Okay, well, um, <laughs> it's this uh, podcast. Uh, I don't. Who, who cares? One of them made a movie, and one of my friends, who it was a big fan of theirs. Uh, and then it. started hating them uh told me i should watch it because it was bad and then i watched it and it was pretty bad so
1: what is the it's movie about,
0: it's a horror film about two women who move into an apartment on the upper east side which uh used to be owned by uh jeffrey epstein what <laughs> and, and yep, yeah, it's about uh them being possessed by the spirit of of FC, it feels like we read a lot of Reddit comments that were adapted into a movie, and uh, I thought it was pretty insufferable. So that's the scariest sixty-first. <laughs> uh, do you have any questions? <laughs> Did
1: this get released, or is this like? Um, I mean, I
0: don't. I, I watched a uh, illegally. Well. Okay. <laughs> I watched a version that I acquired. Uh, I don't think it has had an official release yet. It's played at some film festivals. I think it won a prize at Berlin or something like that. (sighs) Anyway, uh, that's it. That's all I got. Cool. Good, Good night.
1: Good night.